Good morning on October 27th, 2020, about 10.30 a.m. Thank God for another day and opportunity to hear his word, of course, on this cloudy day. Thank God for everything he's done, everything he's doing, everything he will do. Welcome to another episode of Maybe a Good Time to Listen. This episode is called To Whom Should I Turn? To Whom Should I Turn? Alright, let's get started. In this time of uncertainty, folks look for answers. They look to scientists, politicians, and some look to college professors for answers. Now, those people may have more education than us, but that doesn't mean they have all the answers. They don't. In these last days, the great falling away has started. Excuse me. And therefore, the field is even more ripe for harvesting than when Jesus mentioned it. He said, what am I talking about? All right. Well, I'm going to need some Bible for this. The great falling away, also known as the apostasy. This is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. I'm going to read both from the King James Version and then from the NASB. First, the King James Version from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come with the, the day of the Lord, the day he puts up his church. Except there come, and also some people say, well, the tribulation is starting. Either one, I believe it's the same time frame, same day probably. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. That man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Whether you want to argue about whether it's a tribulation or whether it's a picking up of the saints, you can argue that doctrine. The point is that he's going to be on the scene and the good things that are going to happen and the bad things that are going to happen are not going to happen until he shows up on the scene. That's the point. That's the main point to get. So before the casting away of the saints and before the tribulation starts, he's going to be on the scene. Make no, make no mistake about that. Now for the NASB, let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come, once again that day, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. The man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. So apostasy comes from the Greek word apostasia, which means to leave your stand. In other words, where you were standing before, what you believed in, you know, I'm this, I'm that. You don't stand there no more. And there's going to be a great big apostasy, which has already started in the church. A lot of people are not calling themselves because they want to turn away from the church. Now, I'm not just talking about the Roman Catholic Church. I'm talking about Churches in general, Pentecostal or whatever, Holiness, Baptist, whatever, people just turn away 
from God, period. I'm not saying the church is God because the church is people. But nevertheless, <clears throat> the apostasy has started, the great falling away. So, what, what I said before, the field being ripe for harvesting. All right, that's St. John chapter 4, verse 35 from the NIV. Jesus says, back then, he said, Don't you have a saying? It's still four months into harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. He's not talking about food. He's not talking about cucumbers and tomatoes and watermelon and all that stuff. He's not talking about that. When he said look at the fields, he's talking about the field of the world. The different and out of time, be different towns, different cities, different states. He said these people, this is the right for harvest, the right for going and getting souls saved. That's the field. It's not the field where you get food from. You're not talking about food. It's talking about saving souls. Now, some folks can't wait to November 3rd. They can't wait till November 3rd gets here. As of this date, it's a week from today. All right? Some folks feel that by next spring or summer, there'll be a safe vaccine. So the belief is to just listen to the scientists and we'll be just fine. Now that sounds like a good on paper, but what's the reality, kind of hope? That sounds good on paper. Just listen to them and you'll be all right. Now there's uncertainty because the so-called experts, they're human too. We act like they're from another planet or something. They're human and humans make mistakes. Don't forget that. I don't care how much of an expert you call yourself. You're still a human. And besides, God is in charge of this whole thing anyway. If you try to be different from the status quo, politically correct crowd, you'll begin to feel ostracized. And if you can kill us, good for you. That's what you should do. You should kill us. Especially as you get older, you kill us with the status quo politically correct crowd says. In this woke crowd, if this woke crowd doesn't feel like you're woke enough, that should make you feel like your ability to think for yourself is slowly being taken away. Like, oh, you're so paranoid. Oh, no, you better, you better listen to it. I'll say that again. If this woke crowd doesn't feel like you're woke enough, that should make you feel like your ability to think for yourself is slowly being taken away. Because it is. Now, the woke crowd, they need to go back to bed. Not speaking politically, but speaking biblically. All right, these are all from Proverbs. Proverbs 14 and 12, NIV. This is directed to the quote-unquote woke crowd. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. Proverbs 21 2 for NIV. I'm going the wrong way, excuse me. Proverbs 21 verse 2. NIV, a person may think their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. 
Proverbs 16 and 2 from the NIV. All persons' ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Hmm. So, to whom should I turn? Here's another one from Proverbs 3, verse 5 from the NIV. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I know the next part says, In all thy ways acknowledge him, he shall direct thy past. That's verse 6. I'm going to do verse 6. Just verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Now, someone might say, Ah, uh, you're talking religion. And if you're into that kind of stuff, that's okay for a personal belief system. But it ain't going to help with these problems we got here on planet Earth. Well, first of all, this is not a religion. Second, hopefully and eventually, you will find out that nothing a man or a woman does will make things better long term. I hope you realize that. Maybe not. Jesus and the Bible should not be considered a side thing. He and his word are front and center. Whether we believe it or not. Now, when years ago, certain scriptures didn't make sense to that generation, they'll kind of fit pretty well right now. Now, let's take Isaiah 43 and 19 from the NLT. Now, this is really physical, and it's happening now in Israel. God says, For I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the wet, dry wasteland. Now, a lot of churches, of course, they take that for the individual personal uh, belief that God is going to make a way, even though they're going through the wilderness uh, in their spiritual life, God's going to make a pathway for them. Okay, I'm not going to argue that. But I just want you to know, too, that this is also actually physical because a person who has been to Israel 39 times not me but somebody been to Israel 39 times they've seen how now fresh fruit is growing where there used to be desert there used to be desert land and fish farms are showing up and they're flourishing and there once used to be wilderness so in the physical sense <laughs> When God said he's going to make a pathway in the wilderness, he wasn't kidding. He's going to turn things, irrigation, I think they're they're going to have a better irrigation system than the United States. See, God takes care of Israel whether we know it or not. Now here's something else that may not have made sense at the time it was given, but it sure makes sense now. This is 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verses 1 to 5, and then I'll see. You should know this, Timothy. This is Paul talking Timothy. He's a mentee. Well, you know, because he was his son in the gospel. Timothy was a young pastor, and Paul was older, so it's, you know, it's giving him good spiritual counsel. He said, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. Now listen. 
The people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, and mocking Him, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, me, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Now, isn't that something? He says, stay away from people like that. Now, somebody may say, oh, they were like that in the old days. How do you know? Now, back in the old, back in the ancient times, like Moses' time, if your child was disobedient to you and your wife, you and your husband, you could take them to the elders of the city and tell them what was going on, that he refuses to listen to you as a parent, parent to child, and you were allowed, if they found him guilty or her guilty, you could stone, they would stone your child. They put him down in the pit, or put her down in the pit, and they would stone him to death, and then you go home and make some more babies. See, death, it was death, excuse me, that's how serious it was for disobeying your parents. It was death. So this was not going on back then. Listen to this again, and you can see this is very up to date for right now. They will love only themselves and their money. Ain't that the truth? They will be boastful and proud. Ain't that the truth? Scoffing at God. Oh my goodness. They make fun of God at every turn now. Disobeying to their parents. That goes without saying. See, now they're disobeying to their parents. Some, parents, some kids cutting out their parents. No, I ain't doing that. You must be effing crazy. I ain't doing that. Because I got no home training. There's no father at home, and the mother's trying to do everything by themselves. Now, she may be good at it to a certain extent, but it wasn't meant for her to have that much stress on her. A home is supposed to have two parents. That's the way God set it up. But who did Satan remove from the house? The man. People say, ah, we, we can get along with our father. We don't need a father. We'll get along with them. It wasn't meant to be that way. Never. Satan did, did Satan didn't take the mother out of the house. She took the father out of the house. People thought he wasn't important. Well, yes, he is. All right, let's go on. Disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. And you know these kids and people, or adults, are very ungrateful. They get the entitlement thing. I'm supposed to get this. I'm supposed to get that. Why? Just because they're on the planet? No, it doesn't work like that. You gotta work for it. <clears throat> work for what you want. They will consider nothing sacred. That's the truth. Because they're my God. So anything that's considered related to God, they love making fun of it. They consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. Sure enough, people go to their grave holding a grudge. 
They will slander others and have no self-control. Those people are just playing out wild. They will be cruel and hate what is good. Mm-hmm. They will betray their friends. Be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and look for pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Now, I don't want to pick up no churches or anything like that. But there's people who deny the power of God, who say the Holy Spirit doesn't work miracles one more that's done as I was the apostles. My only question is to you then, why are you going to church if you don't want to see God move? If you don't want to see God save a soul, change a life, put somebody in the right direction, why are you going to church? You're wasting your time. We should be praying, worshiping God for who he is and praying that God shows himself so that miracles can happen again. People can get delivered from drugs. People, uh, people can come off the street and stop prostituting. We pray that people's life can be changed. That God sends a way to have a financial breakthrough for people. All kinds of things we should be praying for. But you're denying the power of God. I don't even know why you're getting up and going to a building. Or maybe now you're on lockdown. So why are you getting up and looking on Zoom? What's the case? What's the point? You don't believe God can move. You don't believe God can do the stuff he used to do. So what's the point of getting up? All right, let me read Daniel chapter 2. Now, this is a lot here because this is a prophecy. First of all, let me try to give you back a little background. This king, a bad king, called Nebuchadnezzar, he had a dream one night. And when he woke up, he didn't remember the dream. Like a lot of us. You know, he dreamed they didn't remember what he dreamt. So somebody told him that there was somebody who could interpret dreams. So he called for Daniel, a prophet. So he called for Daniel. Daniel came. And this was and this dream, now mind you, this is very old testament. I don't know what year my pastor probably knows what year it was. <laughs> but um it was very a long, long time ago, and this prophecy still has things that didn't come to pass yet. Okay, now, like I said, there's a lot of reading, so listen up. Don't worry about all the symbolism. The point I want you to get is the different empires that change and what happens at the end. Okay, that's the point I want you to get. Don't don't freak out about the different symbolism. I'm not going into that. All right, this is Daniel chapter 2, verses 29 to 45 from the NLT. I said 29 to 45. Okay, this is David talking to the king Nebuchadnezzar. I guess it was the next morning after he had the dream. While your majesty was sleeping, you dreamed about coming events. He who reveals secrets has shown you what is going to happen. And it's not because I am wiser than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream, but because God wants you to understand what is in your heart. In your vision, your majesty, you saw standing before you a huge, shining 
statue of a man. It was a frightening sight. The head of the statue was made of fine gold. Its chest and arms were silver. Its belly and thighs were bronze. Its legs were iron. And its feet were a combination of iron and baked clay. As you watched, a rock was cut from a mountain. But not by human hands. It struck the feet of iron and clay, smashing them to bits. The whole statue was crushed into small pieces of iron, clay, bronze, silver, and gold. Then the wind blew them away without a trace, like chaff on a threshing floor. But the rock that knocked the statue down became a great mountain that covered the whole earth. That was the dream. Now we will tell the king what it means. Your majesty, you are the greatest of kings. The God of heaven has given you sovereignty, power, strength, and honor. He has made you the ruler over the inhabited world and has put even the wild animals and birds under your control. You are that of gold. But after your kingdom comes to an end, another kingdom, inferior to yours, will rise to take your place. After that kingdom has fallen, yet a third kingdom, represented by bronze, will rise to rule the world. Following that kingdom, there will be a fourth one, destroying the iron. That kingdom will smash and crush all the previous empires. Just as the iron smashes and crushes everything it tricks. <coughs> the feet and toes you saw were a combination of iron and baked clay, showing that this kingdom will be divided. Like iron mixed with clay, it will have some of the strength of iron, but while some parts of it will be as strong as iron, other parts will be as weak as clay. This mixture of iron and clay also shows that these kingdoms will try to strengthen themselves by forming alliances with each other through intermarriage. But they will not hold together just as iron and clay do not mix. During the reign of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness. They will stand forever. That is the meaning of the rock from the mountain. Though not by human hands, that crushed to pieces, crushed to pieces, the statue of iron, bronze, clay, silver, and gold. The great God was showing the king what will happen in the future. The dream is true and its meaning is certain. Okay, that's a lot of reason I know. But like I said, I want you to get the point of all these kingdoms being crushed by a stone cut from a mountain. So the gist is, even though all these kingdoms tried to rule and rule the earth for a while, they all came to nothing because Jesus is going to set up his kingdom. He's the rock cut from the mountain. So all these kingdoms are gone already. But Satan is trying to trying to reform these kingdoms because you know uh, 
Babylon is gone. That's when Nebuchadnezzar reigned. reigned. And Babylon, the head of gold, that's gone. The head of uh, the chest and arms of silver, that's media Persia, that's gone. So these, I just don't love all of them, but they're gone. And so God is still going to come and destroy all this after they reform. So that's about what I wanted to know. So to whom shall I turn? You can, you can turn to your polling station or to your UPS Postal Service and uh, put in your ballot. But that's, unfortunately, that's the limit of a lot of people's vision. That's as far as they can see. That once they do this voting, everything will be all right. But I don't mind getting to that. So, here we are, people. Now, while people may ask, in times like these, how can you still believe in a God? My answer, like so many others, is, in times like these, how can you still believe there is no God? Who do you think is holding things together now in this rubber band type world? It's surely not men and women, despite what people tell you. This is a wake call. Let me ask you some questions. You ever seen or heard of a person hated so much as this president? No, I haven't in 50 years. Have you ever seen or heard of so many wildfires in your lifetime? No. Have you ever seen or heard of so many small businesses claimed by fire? or economic goals and they can't open again? No. You ever heard of a state in America that goes from 90 degrees on the Saturday and then that Tuesday have seven inches of snow? No. That was Denver, Colorado, right away. Ever thought that New York City would look busy and hectic in January like it usually does and then be a ghost town in April? No. Time to wake up. Things are not as cut and dry as Trump, China, North Korea, Wall Street, coal, banning plastic straws, banning plastic straws, trying to get assault weapons off the street, etc. This chaos is not natural. This is centuries of sin including to stretch it out what do you mean including disobedience arrogance defiance conceit pride self-reliance sexual immorality murder the provocation to do evil and much more yes us America and the world this chaos is not excuse me this chaos is spiritual and won't be solved next Tuesday or any Tuesday. To whom should we turn? It should be obvious by now. A person's stubbornness and determination to stop the preaching and teaching of Jesus and seeing it as a threat is only proving that the Bible is right more and more. So in an offbeat sort of way, thanks. Now listen, I don't beg but I'm asking you not to miss 
the next podcast called Welcome Back Acts of the Apostles. For now, I'll leave you with this. We're asking God to take us back to where his hand sit on us as a means of protection. I'll give you scriptures. Lamentation chapter 5. Verses 19 to 22 for the NLT. But Lord, you remain the same forever. um, Your throne continues from generation to generation. Why do you continue to forget us? Why have you abandoned us for so long? Restore us, O Lord, and bring us back to you again. Give us back the joy we once had. Or have you utterly rejected us? Are you angry with us still? Now here's three important things to remember. Even though this is Old Testament, New Testament saints know that at times they feel that God has forgotten them. So this is spiritual application for us today. This book is about the destruction of Jerusalem by God through other people's invasion. After many warnings by Jeremiah for Israel to stop being disobedient to God and turn back to him, they got many warnings for a long time. God hates his third one. God hates sin, and even though we're under grace, that gives no person a license to sin. Read Romans chapter 2, verses 6 to 11. I'm not going to read that. Romans chapter 2, verses 6 to 11. All right, there's two more verses, two more scriptures. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16 from the NLT. This is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path, and you will find rest for your souls. But you reply, no, that's not the road we want. And in St. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30 for the NLT. <clears throat> See if you hear anything that sounds like what I just read. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear. And the burden I give you is light. So Jeremiah said you will find rest for your souls. Jesus said you will find rest for your souls. Bottom line is to whom shall I turn? Well, turn to God. And you'll find rest for your souls. So may God bless you. Once again, I want to remind you, if you can, on Friday, please tune in for Welcome Back, Acts of the Apostles. I hope it's very important, and I hope we take it to heart because it's very serious. And I pray that God opens our eyes to understanding and opens our eyes to one another. Believe him more and chase him more. Because he's chasing us. Whether we know it or not. So stay encouraged in the Lord. 
Until that time, turn the light. <laughs>